Our scripture reading will be from Acts 16, 16 through 24. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them onto the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the freedom and the victory available to us in the name of Jesus, by the saving work of Jesus through his shed blood on the cross and the power of the resurrection, that there is power in the name of Jesus because, um, Lord, what you have done for us, what you have done that no man can do. Uh, Lord, you exhibit great power and authority over your creation, including us. And so, God, may we ex access that power tonight. May we submit to your authority in a fresh, new way tonight, as we're encouraged to do so from a story of hope, hope in the midst of spiritual battles that we will face throughout our lives on this earth as we know we live in a fallen world. But Lord, we can continually come to you for aid, for help in our time of need. And so God, would you bless us tonight, encourage our hearts where we need to be encouraged in the struggle and the difficulty that we face on a daily basis. God, I, I'm asking you to show us the hope available to us in your word, telling the truth about who you are and what you've done for us in Jesus. God, may it be to the praise of your glorious name, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Do you feel uneasy about spiritual stuff? Maybe you're comfortable talking about spiritual matters. Maybe you aren't. I imagine, imagine many of us have been walking with the Holy Spirit long enough now that we know a thing or two about the spiritual realm. Um, but I'm also I'm, I'm aware that there are others who get pretty uncomfortable thinking about spiritual things. Conversation, conversations turn towards mysticism or maybe just some strange occurrences, or even around this time of year, uh, spooky stories. And you don't have a category in your mind for those things. And so you kind of just, just write them off, avoid those topics altogether, or talk about them as little as possible. But what happens when you are met with a spiritual battle that you did not seek out? What happens when the spiritual stuff comes to you? What happens? 
I want you to know that there is hope in the spiritual battle. That's our sermon title for this evening. Hope in the spiritual battle. Let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray that you would protect this time and this space, uh, that God, the, the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be focused on your glory, your honor, and your power. That God, the enemy would not have dominion over this place, but you would. By the power of Jesus and your holy name, God, would you just um, make yourself known what you're capable of during this time. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's look together at Mark chapter 5, looking at verses 1 through 20. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20 say this. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. 
our current series is called Stories of Hope. And this story in Mark chapter 5 gives us hope specifically in the spiritual battles of our lives. And just like any other story, it has parts, movements, acts that carry the story along. And so the first act I want you to see from this story is act one. Jesus meets the demon-possessed man. Jesus meets the demon-possessed man. Let's look again at verses one through eight. They came to the other side. Who's they? It's the disciples. They came to the other side of the sea. What sea? That's the Sea of Galilee. To the country of Gerasenes. That's on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Verse 2, And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one, not one person, had the strength to subdue him. Not Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, that's Jesus. Jesus was saying to the man possessed with the unclean spirit, Come out of the man you unclean spirit. All right. So what's going on here? (laughs) As soon as Jesus stepped out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came to meet him. And and right away, we're, we're blurring the lines between a human man and a demonic spirit. Uh, We don't know what act is that of the unclean spirit and what act is that of the man. We are given a great deal of information about the man and the condition he was in. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, it says. That is to say, at one time, they could bind him. He has been growing in strength, likely because more and more demons are taking up residence in him over time to the point where no one could subdue him. But there is hope, which brings us to our key truth in this act, at least the first one, Jesus gives us hope because he has authority over evil. Jesus gives us hope because he has authority over evil. Reflect on that truth just for a moment. Jesus has authority over evil. It's comforting because there's a lot of evil in the world. If you are familiar with the story of Job in the Bible, you probably remember that Satan has to ask God's permission to torment Job. Job, a blameless servant of God. In that story, we see that our enemy is like a dog on a leash, and a tight leash at that. But you may ask, how is it that God has authority over evil without being responsible for that evil? That's a question long asked throughout the ages. And the answer that the Bible gives is that God is not the active agent of evil. Satan is. 
but God uses evil activity for our good and for his glory. He is entirely sovereign over evil, yet remains blameless over the evil itself. I've said once before that when it comes to the circumstances of your life, God gets all the glory and none of the blame. And so much as your mindset conforms to that truth, it will go well for you. That is what we learn in the story of Job. That's what it teaches. In the end, Job doesn't get the answers to his questions of why God. Why did God allow the devil to torment him? Instead, Job gets something far greater. He gets God himself. So let's relate that to our story of hope. Why did God allow for this man to suffer the torment of these demons? Well, a possible answer to that question, consistent with the teachings of the Bible, would be that it was so the man would experience God in the flesh, Jesus himself, and be freed from the evil in his life, and to share that story so that people marvel about what God has done. And here we are talking about it 2,000 years later. Why was this story recorded in Mark's gospel. Well, it's a story of hope. Hope that Jesus is the only one strong enough to free this man from the spiritual powers that enslave him. How does Jesus express this power and authority? This is really cool. It's through speech. It's through his words. Which brings us to our second truth of this act. Jesus uses speech to bring about order and restoration. Jesus uses speech to bring about order and restoration. Jesus did the same thing with the wind and the waves in the passage right before this one. He said, peace, be still. And the winds ceased. The waves calm. The God-man Jesus Christ simply opens his mouth and speaks creation into submission. He was, after all, the one who spoke creation into being in the first place. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, that is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Because of his power and authority, Jesus simply speaks, and his words bring about order and restoration. He says, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And these fallen, angelic beings who have become demons, are still under his authority and forced to obey him. We can sense fear from the demons as they declare who Jesus is and seem threatened by his presence. There is a resistance in the demons initially, showing the strong hold they have on the man. Although they do not leave the man immediately, we know that they are well on their way. It's just a matter of where. Which brings us to Act 2. Legion 
begs to be sent into the pigs. Legion begs to be sent into the pigs. We see this in verses 9 through 13. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. We find out that there is more than one demon possessing this man. The demon is named Legion, for we are many. A a legion was the largest unit of the Roman army and at full strength had thousands of soldiers. It makes sense that the demons would take the name Legion because of their militaristic nature of how they are organized. We have an army of darkness that is waging war against us. And so this is Legion. For we are many. We learn that this man had as many as 2,000 demons living inside him because of the amount of pigs that they entered. Yet every one of them is under the authority of Jesus. According to James chapter 2, verse 19, they know who Jesus is and their response is to tremble. James writes, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Now, when it says belief there, it's not the same belief as you and I would believe in God, right? Jesus came to this earth taking the form of man. He cannot redeem the fallen angels because he did not take the form of an angelic being. He can only redeem human beings because he took the form of a man, humbled himself to the form of a servant, Philippians 2 says. And so we are the only ones who can believe savingly upon the gospel. For the angels, their belief is their knowledge. They know God exists because they have rebelled against him. Once worshipers of the one true God, now rebels, cast out. So they tremble. That's all they can do. Legion is afraid of Jesus. And in this fear, they make a strange request. Do not send us out of the country, but permit us to enter the pigs. So we see a truth from this act. Demons crave unclean flesh. Demons crave unclean flesh. We don't know what occurred first, the man living among the tombs and then the demons taking up residence inside him or the demons beginning to possess him and the man being banished to the tombs, the unclean place. All we know is that he made his home among the dead, an unclean place around the tombs. And the unclean spirits made their home in him a host with unclean flesh. How does the enemy view you? A potential home? Are you a prime target for the evil forces at work in this fallen world? 
here's a way we can evaluate our lives from God's standard in the Bible. James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16 say, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Demons are unclean spirits that crave the flesh. And we are no more in the flesh than when we are selfish. Bitter jealousy is fueled by what we think we deserve and what we don't have compared to someone else. Selfish ambition is the aim to make something of ourselves so we can get exactly what we want. These are described as earthly, unspiritual, demonic. The reason it is demonic is because it is unspiritual. Demons crave the flesh. And when you give yourself over to your flesh, you are welcoming demonic oppression into your life. When you give yourself over to your flesh, you are welcoming demonic oppression into your life. So if you want to ward off demonic oppression, start walking in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit focuses on Jesus. And Jesus modeled for us a love for the Father and one's neighbor. If we start walking according to the Spirit, living like Jesus, focusing on loving God and loving neighbors, we won't be as oppressed by demonic activity. And this is certainly the case when it comes to demonic possession. Now, there is a difference between demonic oppression, oppression, and demonic possession. We believe that when you initially repent of your sins and believe savingly upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside you. You become indwelt with the third person of our triune God. And if he lives inside you, no demon or unclean spirit can take up residence inside you. You're already occupied by our God. You are eternally and powerfully secured by God himself. Even if you walk in sin after you're saved, you're still secured. But the Bible says you grieve the Holy Spirit when you do that. You see, he is called the Holy Spirit. He does not want to participate with you in your sin. So when you walk in sin, you open yourself up to dem demonic oppression outside of you, not possession inside you, oppression, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. And so you're being influenced from the outside instead of the inside. And what does a demonic influence, what does a demon influence you towards? Torment torment. So our second truth of this act, demons exist to torment. Legion said to Jesus, don't 
torment me. When that is exactly what he's doing to the man. Isn't that wild? Think about the condition this man was in. Think about the information we are given. The man is in bondage, spiritual and at times even physical bondage. He has no control over his own life, just stuck. He is naked, living a life of shame. He is isolated with no one to help him. He cries out in pain as he is inflicted with the pain that Legion is doing to him. And this is precisely where the enemy wants you. Satan wants you enslaved to your sinful ways. He wants you stuck and frustrated with no way out. He is the accuser who shames you in your stuckness. He wants to isolate you so that you feel all alone and absorbed with yourself. He wants to inflict pain upon you physically, mentally, and emotionally so it distracts you spiritually. And demons work constantly toward this end. The man could be any one of us. And listen, the fuzzier you are on the details of your spiritual reality, the more space you surrender to spiritual forces to inflict deliberate harm upon you and those you care about from a fog of uncertainty. You cannot fight what you do not know. I don't teach these things to scare you. I teach these things to warn you and equip you with hope for the spiritual battle. That's why I love what our church is learning through our current series on Sundays on spiritual warfare that Brother Steve is preaching through because it is adding clarity to the spiritual battles of our lives. For instance, he taught us this past Sunday how to bind the strong man so that we can walk in victory from demonic oppression. We bind the strong man, the spiritual beings that work against us. We call it out when we see it, and we respond to the Lord in prayer, asking him to bind the strong man in Jesus' name, by Jesus' blood, according to God's word, empowered by God's spirit. This is a really good and applicable method for us to use in spiritual warfare. But be warned, demons are cunning. They know when it's just formulaic words and there's no relationship attached to them. Don't think that you can just use this as a formula to get what you want. No, you have to, you have to see the power of the name of Jesus. You have to trust in the blood of Jesus. You need to know the word of God. You have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Don't just say the words. Access the power of the one the words are calling on. Which brings us back to the story. The man who encountered Jesus wanted to remain with him. That's what we see in Act 3. Act 3, the man begs Jesus to remain with him. We see that in verses 14 through 20. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and the country. 
and people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had, been, who had seen it described to them what had, been hap- what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he, Jesus, did not permit the man, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Word gets around fast as people from the nearby city and country come out in droves to see what had taken place. As more people show up, the news start to, starts to take a negative turn and people become afraid. Why? Well, they see Jesus and they see the man they tried to bind and shackle who they once saw as an unstoppable threat. And then they see 2,000 pigs that were essential to their community's economy, now drowned, spread out, and floating in the sea. That had to have been a crazy sight. The people do not have a category in their mind for what has just taken place. They fear what they do not know. And before we just think that's ridiculous, the disciples had the same response when Jesus calmed the storm on the sea, the last verse in the, in the previous chapter said, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The storm had stopped. They were afraid in the storm, and then they kept being afraid when they saw Jesus, the one that stopped it. At some level, the people feared Jesus because they saw a man that they had just written off had been transformed. The man was delivered, clothed, and in his right mind. That's a key truth we see from this act. The man is delivered, clothed, and in his right mind. A few weeks ago, we looked at a sinful woman who had been forgiven of her sins and how she kind of intruded upon a Pharisee's dinner to worship Jesus. And we saw a clear picture of what worship looked like. Her worship was inconvenient, it was costly, and it was messy. Well, here in this story of hope, of the demon-possessed man, we see a clear picture of what restoration looks like. He was delivered, he was clothed, and he was in his right mind. He had been delivered of the sin and the evil that had enslaved him. Jesus had broken the chains of spiritual bondage that had oppressed him for so long. The man was clothed. He was given dignity again, like that of Adam and Eve, who were clothed by God personally after their sin and shame in the garden. Let me ask you, who do you think clothed the man? After Legion left him, and went into the pigs, who do you think clothed this man? Surely it was Jesus, right? Surely it was Jesus. Think of the tenderness of our Lord and Savior. And the man was in his right mind. 
His thoughts were his own. There was nothing or no one negatively influencing him to harm himself anymore. He thought clearly again for the first time in a long time. And his first thoughts were to remain with Jesus. I love that. Lord, take me with you. Please, let me stay with you. Wherever you go, I will go. Whatever you say, I will do it. But Jesus had other plans. Indeed, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And so we see another key truth from this act. The man is commanded to proclaim the good news about Jesus. The man is commanded to proclaim the good news about Jesus. I find it very interesting that both Legion and the man ask Jesus' permission to do what they want to do. I find it even more interesting that Jesus permits the demons to enter the pigs and does not permit the man to remain with him. Isn't that fascinating? He allows the demons to have what they desire, unclean pigs to torment, even if for a little while. And he does not allow the man to have what he wants to remain in his presence. And if we're honest, that messes with us. But we have to see very plainly that Jesus has every right to say no to your request, even if it's a good request. He has every right to say no, even if you have every excuse why you think it should be your way. And we see why Jesus says no to this man's request. And it makes sense when we learn what happens next. Isn't that something? When we see things from God's perspective, they tend to make a whole lot more sense. The last few verses say, Jesus said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. This guy could have easily responded to Jesus, friends, what friends? I don't have any friends. But he didn't. He obeyed the command of Jesus. He proclaimed the good news about Jesus in the 10 cities that made up the Decapolis. And what a story it was. You know those uh, 2,000 pigs that were over in the sea? Did you hear about that story? Well, that's actually because Jesus cast those demons out of me and into those pigs. You want to you hear the story? I mean, if he didn't have friends before, he's certainly going to have friends after that. What a story to share. What about you? Have you been delivered from the evil and sin in your life? Have you been clothed with dignity and honor by the blood of Jesus? Are you sober-minded and thinking of the goodness of Christ? Then tell someone. Tell someone. In fact, tell, tell someone who hasn't been delivered and needs deliverance, who needs hope. Get good at telling your story and tell anyone who will listen. 
literally tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has shown mercy to you. And let everyone marvel. This brings us to our main points for the night. The only hope we have in spiritual battles is the power and authority of Jesus. It's the only hope. There is no other hope. The only hope we have in spiritual battles is the power and authority of Jesus. So what do we do with that? We live in that hope by continually accessing his power and submitting to his authority. We continually access his power and submit to his authority. This is the spiritual stuff that matters. We don't have to be fearful or uncomfortable as long as we know Jesus Christ and his power and his authority. He is sovereign over the evil of the world while remaining, remaining totally blameless for the evil itself. We have an enemy who actively works to harm us, but we know he is defeated and we know how to claim victory over him. We access the power of Jesus through his name and his shed blood. And we submit to the authority of Jesus by his word and by his spirit. There is hope for you in the spiritual battle.